Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the B-Roll Podcast. We are the Sci-Fi Wise Guys. My name is Anthony. And my name is Chris. Yes, Chris. It is. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing just great. Today's a very special day. It is. For a couple of reasons. By the time you hear this, it'll probably be the new year. But the reason why it's very special today is we have our very first guest host, who just also happens to be a patron. Everybody. Well, they, they can't say hello to you, but say hello to everyone else, Kat. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So Kat is one of our patrons. And we've decided to do something a little special for the end of 2020, which is have a guest host. What did we watch, everybody? Everybody. Everybody. WW84. Yes. Wonder <laughs> Woman 1984. I'm not sure if they actually <laughs> use the term Wonder Woman, except in the end credits. Yeah. I don't think it's w- actually w- on the title screen at all. World Man, War 84. Many... I think yeah, someone yells what... her name at one point. Oh, really? What happened to the other uh, 82 or 81 world wars, huh? I don't know. <laughs> we're doing pretty good. Like, we were on a streak there. So between 1944 and 1980-something, we had quite a few world wars, and we're still we're still standing. Yeah. All so those doomsayers. <laughs> ha. <laughs> oh, man. No, so Wonder Woman 1984, simul, like, simul release in theater and streaming on HBO Max. So we took that to mean uh, straight to stream. Which is something we've actually stayed away from in the past. If it's had a, a dual release, well, there haven't been that many opportunities. No, for there's us been to a f- there's been a few, especially with this yeah. year the way it's gone. Chris and I have also had uh, I don't want to say arguments, discussions about whether or not HBO Max counts as a streaming service. Because obviously it is a streaming service, but it's also HBO. It's not your typical direct to DVD quality that we uh, usually review. To be fair, HBO does stand for Home Box Office. So That's true. That's true. <laughs> Is that what it stands it just for? Felt, yeah. Yeah. Huh. We learn something I'm, new every day. Doesn't it say that at the beginning of every, with the little static screen? Doesn't it say Home Box Office? I think it used to. I don't know if it does anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a lot of expectation without me paying attention to that screen. That's true. Well, I don't think it's done that since the early 90s. Well, <laughs> I just aged myself. Just showing your age. My bad. That's fine. That's fine. We all get old, then we die. Uh, so unless you're when Wonder it comes Woman, to... <laughs> or Asteria, apparently Asteria. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> oh, so I do want to also let's before we dive right into everything, let's uh let's give a nice big spoiler warning. Oh yeah, for uh... any new <laughs> listeners out there, we uh we're gonna review this movie. We're gonna pick apart the parts that we want to pick apart, and we're not gonna talk about the things we don't want to talk about. And uh, we're going to spoil everything. So if you're interested yes. in watching this movie, now's a good time to pause the podcast, go spend three hours of your life watching HBO, and then uh, come on back. <laughs> and it's, the movie's a solid two and a half hours. But I imagine if you watch it in the theater with trailers and whatnot, it's it's at least three hours of your life plus travel time. It's a commitment. Yeah, but then you get popcorn. I mean, yeah, silver lining, I suppose. Yeah, I I have a popcorn maker, and we actually bought popcorn kernels, but then we decided to make the terrible decision of eating Christmas dinner right before the movie. <laughs> oh, man. So my popcorn kernels are still under the counter. <laughs> nice, nice. So it's a lot of investment for this movie, but okay. So did either of you watch it in the theater, or did you just watch it at home? 
Just at home. Dude, there's okay. a pandemic. I'm just saying there are people who go to the movie theater. <laughs> I am actually awaiting COVID test results as we speak. Mm. So I, I have no symptoms, but work put me into some precarious positions with crowds of strangers. So I was like, Did okay. Both nostrils or just one? Both. Oof. Yeah. Like it, Oof. it tickled and my ear tickled for like a day after sticking that thing up my nose. <laughs> it was crazy. Kat, have you had a COVID test? No. Good. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they put sandpaper on the end of my swab when I wasn't looking. Yeah. Because that's what it felt like when they rubbed it against my sinuses. <laughs> so I've taken tests before, the preemptive test for work because I travel a little bit. But those were all like back of the throat swabs. And I got results back in a day. Because mm. we were getting tested before a big event that was going on at the venue we were we were working at. But uh, so this one was new and different. Mm. Yeah. I was not Fair anticipating enough. the amount of... <laughs> swabbing <laughs> they ram it in there like they're trying to load a black powder uh, rifle well no they i really do so i did it at a drive-thru at cvs and they oh. walk you through it you do it yourself oh so i, oh. I jabbed my own no- they were like yep like an inch in and i was like oh no <laughs> they send you a video ahead of time to make sure you know the angle to put it in your nose wow yeah so I was, it was, I was inflicting some pain on myself. self castigation But it was totally worth it. You should always get tested if you're not sure, um, or if you've been in a position or been uh, exposed to somebody else. You should quarantine and get tested. I'm not complaining. I mean, I am, speaking but you know of, what I mean. Speaking of exposing, Kat, as a patron, you're fairly familiar with our progress, or not our progress, what's, our, what's the word I'm looking for? Process. Mm. Uh, yeah, I missed a couple letters there. Uh, on our podcast, what we do is we actually watch and review typically straight-to-stream visual entertainment media, talk about it and how it exists in the medium of which we've chosen, give our initial thoughts, and then ultimately decide whether or not what we watched was worth the price of subscription. As you are the guest host, I will actually give you the floor and let you say whatever you want to say. Don't do that. I mean, of course, there will be things that could be edited out, depending on how vulgar you may or may not be. Uh, <laughs> but uh, She just gets on here think? and starts spewing racism and... <laughs> What a that, plan! That what could, a plan! That could be arranged. I'm just kidding. She's winging it just like we are every time. <laughs> so you just want to know what I think? I do want to know what you think. I've asked twice. <laughs> no, I think you think you asked twice. But she's coming in hot. Okay, so my thoughts on this movie: the end was better than the beginning, and overall, it's not a bad movie. But it is a DC movie, which means that it has been way overhyped for what it is. So All that's right. my thoughts. Wow. Any particular thoughts about any of the actors, any of the the scenes, story itself, or it's got some big names in it. I wasn't. I didn't know anything cool. about this movie walking into it. I don't watch trailers. I don't look at reviews of things coming out before they come out and watch them. So mm-hmm. I didn't know Chris Pine was going to be in it until like five minutes before the movie started. Kristen Wiig. I really like her. Pedro Pascal. Is that how you say his name? Mando? Yes. I think Pascal, but we we mispronounce things regularly. Yeah, I know. No, we don't. No, we don't. We correct other people. (laughs) Yeah, Mando. We'll call him Mando, because I just finished watching The Mandalorian, like, right before watching this. Yeah. I wasn't expecting those people to be in it, especially Chris Pine, because he's dead. The the character. The character, character, yeah. Yeah. Steve. Sorry. Steve. (laughs) Steve, the character, is dead. 
Which I have some other thoughts about, but yeah. he's dead again. Actually, I don't know if you yeah, well. saw the end, but he died twice. <laughs> they brought him must, back. Just must to suck. Him. Does he really die, or is it more his consciousness is placed into another being? What? Because like Steve Trevor, the person, the actor, like or the actor, the character doesn't really. It's just his, I guess, his soul, for lack of a better term, because he doesn't look like. Chris Pine. Oh, right, right. Well, to again, us, man, the audience, and to Diane Prince, she sees Steve Trevor, but the rest of the world sees random guy who lives in a you know trashy apartment. Trashy. So is he is he really back, or is it just his? What are we if not our consciousness, our souls, riding in a meat suit through this mm. earthly existence? That's fair. I mean, that sounded way better in my head, but I mean, <laughs> you are who you are, regardless of what you look like, right? It was him with all of That's his a, memories and feelings and aspirations and, and apparently abilities. Also, there's, there's some knowledge. assumption that the, the, the guy that he took over just knew how to fly. Well, no, I think it's because Steve Trevor's in, in control. It, it's not... I have like a 30-minute rant about that. That's a... Um... That's a metaphysical discussion. I don't think we're ready to have just yet. Uh, no. <laughs> Let's save that for the second act. Yeah. Uh, we'll save that for Wonder Woman 1985. <laughs> what about you, Anthony? How did you feel about this movie? Underwhelmed. Okay. I did see a trailer long, 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 like when it was supposed to release over a year ago. So I did know that Chris Pine was back. And that is all I knew. Because all I can remember from that trailer is him staring at a trash can. Because he it's thought art. it was art. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, technically, trash can design is art, right? Like, that's, it's not maybe, it's meant to be visually pleasing, blend in with the surroundings, be functional. Someone had to intentionally design that the way exactly. it was designed. Exactly. In, in the architectural style of the period. So. I, sure. Because they, they stuck to the time period for everything else. So I'm sure <laughs> they did for that, too. Honestly, I, I feel like this is the weakest DC movie. Until somebody reminded me that suicide squad existed <laughs> so i think this is this, this even then like i feel like suicide squad had a better plot than wonder woman 1984 or 84 dub dub 84 i thought it was incoherent i thought that the messaging was weird i thought there were just so many assumptions made like they i guess they you know we talk a lot about how some movies will treat their audiences like they're stupid by just over explaining yeah. everything. And this one did the exact opposite. It was like, we're not going to explain this at all. You're just going to believe it and follow along because you're dumb and you won't question it. It's like the exact opposite approach. But I still feel like they expected me to be stupid and not ask questions about this, that, or the other. And I understand, we, you know, I'm sus- it's a superhero movie. I'm not expecting perfection. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm suspending disbelief. And if it was a few small things, it wouldn't be a big deal. But it's major plot points that just don't make any sense. So you think that this is better or worse than Suicide Squad? I don't know. I think it's on par. I'd have and to did rewatch you forget Suicide that Green Squad Lantern? to know. And I'm not going to watch Suicide Squad to, to redo that. Did you just bring up Green Lantern? <laughs> did you forget Green Lantern exists? I don't, but it's not in this, This I said the DC that's extended a, universe, which does, yeah, I don't think it's, it's that doesn't count. But it doesn't count. Technically, it's not part of the DCEU. The extended um, universe. The, these collection of movies with shared characters does not include Ryan Reynolds as a Green Lantern. <laughs> and even then, if we were to include all DC movies, I have seen Superman 4. That is by far worse than anything that's been put out recently. Okay, okay. Well, we'll rank the Superman movies later. <laughs> it goes... Just ask, I mean, ask we me We really don't have to do that. 
No, we do. Because I've brought it up. I've made a commitment. No, I thought this movie was real bad. And I feel like I wasted a lot of time watching it. I honestly don't understand. So if we if we pull up IMDb mm-hmm. and look at the facts for a moment, it is Wonder Woman 1984. If we look at the facts okay. for a moment, it's got a 5.7 on IMDb, 63% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes with a 72% audience score and I, a median score on IMDb of 6. I don't uh, understand man. how it's ra- ranked so high. This is a solid 3 out of 10. I don't... Um. I'm confused. I don't understand how people could like it. I don't understand. I don't I don't get a lot of things. And I'm hoping that you enjoyed it so you can tell me what I'm missing out on here. Well, speaking of the facts, on Metacritic, this thing's sitting at a 59% critical score okay. and a 4.3 user score. So a little lower over there. Yeah. Uh, Google, 70% of users liked this movie. Yeah. You stole the facts from me, but that's okay, because I have some fun facts that I will share. I didn't steal. I I did. I completely (laughs) stole those facts from you. I don't know how to answer the question on whether or not I liked this movie. And the reason why I say that is because while I found it visually pleasing, I was entertained enough to continue to watch the movie. There are some plot points that really don't make any sense. I feel like this is a victim of the editing it's two and a half hours, right? So Solid, like yeah. how much of it has been, how much is missing because of the editors? Uh, I mean, I don't know how much was shot. I can't answer that question. Wonder Woman 1984 stylizes WW84 as a 2020 American superhero film based on the DC Comics character Wonder Woman. Uh, it is the sequel to 2017's Wonder Woman and the ninth installment of the DC Extended Universe. Let's see. And that consists of... Man of Steel, Dawn of Justice, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Justice League, Aquaman, Shazam, Birds of Prey, Wonder Woman, 1984. I really don't know. <laughs> like, I don't like yeah. to hedge, but I don't necessarily think it was a great movie. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful to watch. For the most part, I think, I don't think Gal Gadot is a very good actress. I know that's controversial for some people, yep. but... Yeah. Bite your tongue. I, what? Huh? I said bite your tongue. <laughs> You were I just have it. You were listing actors in the movie cat, and you did not mention Gal Gadot as somebody. I didn't enjoyed. because I knew she was going to be in the movie. Oh yes, fair, fair, That's fair. fair. No, I just maybe it's maybe it's just because of the movies that I've seen her in, which are the Fast and the Furious movies, and as far as I'm aware, both Wonder Woman movies. I don't think I can recall off the top of my head anything else that I've seen her in, but I feel like she plays the same character she's maybe a little typecast she was keeping up with the joneses i thought she was good in that she was fun i don't know i don't know what that is it's Uh, a comedy it it didn't matter well um, she just appears to be this tall graceful aloof person and that's fine if you're wonder woman the immortal warrior of the amazons and it also works when you're in fast and the furious when you're supposed to be this highly trained you know isn't she part of Mossad or something like yeah, that? Yeah, like former or what have you. Yeah. yeah, she's an assassin or whatever. But when that's all you've got, like, I just, I don't know. There's just not a whole lot of depth to me for Wonder Woman, the character in this particular movie. I feel like the first movie really allowed you to kind of explore who Wonder Woman is. Mm-hmm. And this, this movie is more about exploring what's life like after she's become Wonder Woman. But I just don't feel like there was enough of that. Uh, it, it's a movie called Wonder Woman, and I feel like the story hinged way too much on Pedro Pascal wishing things into existence. But maybe that's the point, right? Is yeah. the, I, the, he is the villain? I just he got a lot of screen time, and that's okay. 
uh, the movie was called Wonder Woman 1984. True. It felt, so you brought up a good point that, and it's something that we, we talk about quite a bit, is how movies get edited to death. I don't know if that's a hundred percent on the editors, like the the qualms. I feel like a lot of it has to do with script rewrites and maybe some reshoots. Because I sure. don't, because the movie doesn't. Besides a few scenes played up for comedic relief, the only reason this movie takes place in the '80s is so that we can have the Cold War mutually assured destruction escalation of things, right? Which only right. lasts like two minutes. Yeah, it's it's all at the end. Th- it's very big. Uh, it's a little bit more than two minutes. I think it encompasses the last third of the movie. Well, ever since the yeah, because the the president, not Reagan, asks for <laughs> more nukes or whatever, which is interesting. So that that actor who played not Reagan played Nixon in Doctor Who, it, anyways. <laughs> so he's just you know all of the bad presidents. So I mean, but from there on out, it, it I feel like that's the only reason it took place there. They didn't have an '80s soundtrack. The the other cultural the, the big cultural events of that time just it doesn't feel like an eighties movie it felt like it was made in the eighties with the over the top cheesiness and just the I don't know I don't know where to I don't know when to start going on with my my rants but to speak about who who you felt like this movie is called Wonder Woman and didn't really have her a lot I felt like the beginning of the movie the first hour to hour and a half Barbara Minerva Cheetah was the a protagonist she was a bigger protagonist than Wonder Woman. I was more interested in what was happening with her than I was with anything else. And then she became generic bad guy for the last half of the movie. Yeah. You know, step-by-step villain or paint-by-numbers would probably be better. Yes. What do you think, Kat? Agree? Disagree? Um, I don't know. I cared way too much about her outfits than I did about her storyline <laughs> or anything else that happened with her. With who? With who? Sorry. Cheetah? With Cheetah, yeah. I I don't know. I think that they used Cheetah a lot in order or uh, hold on. What is what is her name? Sorry, Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig. They used Kristen Wiig too much to express that 80s feel very early on with her outfits and her demeanor and all of that. And then, you know, she wanted to be cool and popular. She wanted to be like Wonder Woman or Diana. And then all of a sudden her demeanor changed and yeah i get that that's the storyline the progression of of cheetah becoming coming cheetah and all of all of that but it was oh i want i want to be cool like a very like high school trope i want to be cool i want to do all the things that this person's doing i want to look like her act like her and then it turned into a well i don't want to give this up i'm cool people like me people see me for you know what i want to be and not who i really am and it it just turned overnight like just it's tropey yeah well i mean i can see for me, like I, I, I'm more equated that to not even necessarily surrendering that which you have gained, but more along the lines of like refusing to give up what you'll lose, holding on so tightly to the things that you don't necessarily need, but more like want. Right? She makes a wish, not knowing that she's going to become super strong, super fast. She doesn't realize that like. <laughs> it's like um in the vein of a lot of 80s like teen movies where the the female lead put takes her hair down takes off her glasses and all of a sudden Ugh. she's the most attractive girl in the school you know what i mean yeah it was exactly that yeah like she sleeps at, she stays overnight and falls asleep at work and then i wasn't <laughs> i wasn't cognizant enough in the 80s cuz i was 5 for those outfits but she's wearing a weird skin tight pink sweater but it's also a dress it's a shirt yeah she takes her skirt off she's wearing leggings and then now she's the most attractive girl at her job like 
Yeah. We know that she's a villain because, you know, that's what the trailers told us, right? That's what the whole, all the, 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 well, even if you don't know going in, informed us. Even if you don't know going into it, oh, look, she's getting super strength, just like Wonder Woman, just like Superman has to fight another Kryptonian or, you know, Black Panther has to fight somebody with another Black Panther suit. She's going to have to fight somebody with her equivalent abilities or whatever. It's a strange choice. It is a I mean, I, horrible. It's a horrible choice. I wouldn't call it strange, but <laughs> it, she's because she's she's a successful. She works at the Smithsonian. She's a successful woman in her. I'm. Um, she's got to be in her uh, her thirties, maybe late twenties. I mean, Kristen Wiig, the actress, is forty seven. Mm. So filming this two three years ago, she's in her mid forties. So you know, we usually play much younger characters, and this is they kind of show this with Wonder Woman as well with Diana that no, it doesn't matter how successful she is. It's all about the social aspects of things. She wants, she falls in love all the time and she just can't find anybody. And that's, what's really important. And then at the end of the movie, Wonder Woman has to give up the love because she can't both be Wonder Woman, Amazonian princess and defender of all that's good and have a personal relationship. It's this. Well, she just she just can't have it with, or maybe not Steve just Trevor. with him, right? But it, <laughs> it, it's 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 one of those things you, you could if you just go into this movie and just take everything at the surface level, um, it's enjoyable. I just I don't know some of the for lack of a better term, though some of the life lessons to be gained are, are uh, <laughs> not great, especially unexpected given you know Patty Jenkins and this just the Wonder Woman character. I have a question for Cat. Uh oh. As a woman, how do you feel in movies like this or in, well, any sort of storytelling, really, where, because I, I, I think we might be just glossing over it, but it's there's a lot of weird reliance on female sexuality, at least in the beginning of this movie, where Kristen Wiig, we said it earlier, she's successful, she works at the Smithsonian, she's a doctor, right? She corrects Maxwell Lord when he comes in and he calls her Miss Minerva, she's like, <laughs> doctor. But, like, her, up until that moment, her value seems strictly tied to how men perceive her. How annoying is that? And, like, in the reliance on that in a, in a, in a story, telling a story, like, this person is, is highly successful, but they're unfulfilled because men don't find them, men don't find her attractive. And she works with a person who everyone seems to fawn over, man and woman. And Diana casually dismisses it out of hand because she doesn't she doesn't care. I just wonder, like, what's that like? Because, I mean, we've got our own stereotypes as men, but nothing to that extent. That's, that's my question. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I think in general, and from my experience, not saying I'm speaking for every woman out there, but I feel like a lot of women tie their significance in life to being noticed. So, like, I can have a doctor, I can work at the Smithsonian, and I can be seen as one of the most renowned, um, is she an archaeologist? She's an archaeologist. Yeah. yeah. In the world. But my work is only so much of my life. You know, what happens after 5 p.m. when I go home? Do I, I just sit around? I don't do anything, right? And so mm. I think that a lot of people feel that they need to have, you know, someone significant in their life to spend, to, you know, for that extra however many hours in a day. And I think movies capitalize on that. They're like, oh, well, you can't have a fulfilling life unless you have an amazing job that you're, you know, this so important. You're this really important person in this this community or this this job, but you also have the most amazing significant other that everybody fawns over because they're so jealous that you have this amazing person. In reality, I think that it's more of 
I want one or the other. Like I either want to spend my entire life with this most amazing person. I don't really care what my job is or where I work or where or where I live or anything like that as long as I'm with this one person. Or I want to dedicate my life to furthering my career or making myself, making a name for myself. Like I don't think that in all reality you have both. So it's irritating that movies portray that you have to have it all. And I think that creates this really false expectation for kids or at least younger women growing up that in order to be successful and to have any kind of significance in life, you have to have it all. So from my perspective, it's upsetting. I have a side question related to the same thing. In recent years, I feel like a lot of Pixar and Disney movies have actually tended to steer away from that method of storytelling. Like, what's it? Brave? Mm-hmm. It's the one yeah. with the bear, right? Yeah. The whole crux of the movie is Meridia doesn't want to marry one of these three Merida. Dudes. Merida, thank you. That's the whole crux. That's what turned. That's what gets her mother turned into a bear. That's what starts this whole huge battle sequence between these other people. And at the end of the movie, she ulti- like she's the one who gets to choose, right? The same thing with, I think, Frozen to a lesser extent. Mm-hmm. We get this whole plot line of uh, Anna? Dude, I don't know. Is that the, the little, uh-huh. is that the one that's Anna. The, not, not Elsa? Anna. The, <laughs> she meets this prince. She thinks he's awesome. She's going to fall in love with him, but it turns out he's a scumbag. And then and Elsa's trying to talk that, her out of it the whole time. Yeah. The, all, and yeah. Then she realizes that all she needs is her family to be happy. It's strange that these Disney princess movies, and I don't even want to call them Disney princess movies, but like Disney movies that are focused on these like fairy tales and stuff are actually skewing away from the princess in distress or I need to be married to fulfill my life. And then this movie written and directed by Patty Jenkins just steers right back onto that road. Like it's about to exit and then pulls back onto the freeway, which is kind of strange because I don't feel like the only instance that occurred in the original movie was when Steve Trevor's plane explodes. That's the only real moment where Diana, like, I don't want to say she cries or whatever, but it's the only moment where like that part of her life sure. comes to the forefront. You know, I mean, for the uh, for the and the dude did just die. I mean, it, it was pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she other times in the movie, like she's hanging out with Steve Trevor. You know, they have this connection. They like each other and everything. But for the most part, she keeps it square. And then when he dies, that's when she loses it to a lesser extent. Um, so it's just it's just weird that they would do that in the previous movie, but then make this entire story about how she feels about Steve Trevor. Because if she if she had never wished for Steve Trevor, I don't know if the movie wouldn't proceed the way it's supposed to. Because Maxwell Lord's trying to get his hand on the wish stone or the dream stone, whatever they call it. Right. So if it never grants that first wish, how does our story go? Like, do we even have a movie? I don't know. Like, if she never loses her powers. Does Maxwell Lord get defeated in the first, like, in the first scene where they're driving around in the desert? I don't know. Like, it's just, it's weird that the entire movie hinges on, unrequ- I don't want to say unrequited, but, like, the return of a lost love. It just seems very anti-Patty Jenkins to me, but I don't know. I don't know enough. Yeah, yeah. I feel like part of me wants to give them the benefit of the doubt and think that with Kristen Wiig's character with Cheetah, they were just trying to do the whole grass is greener. Like, she is super successful. Now she's realizing that she's given up on these other things. But they, if that was what they were going for, they they uh, they messed up. I wish that they, they, if that was what they were going for, that they didn't turn her into a object. Because mm-hmm. as soon as she made that wish and that she saw that people were noticing her, all of a sudden she's you know dressing different and you know wearing her hair different. And she instantly goes from I can't walk in heels to I wear heels yeah. everywhere, <laughs> which that's another thing. Anyways, we can talk about that later. Heels as a as a symbol of, of femininity is a bit archaic. 
Yeah. And insulting to everybody, I think, not just women. Well, yeah, because the heels were originally made for men. They were made for Tom Cruise and Chris Pine to look tall next to Gal Gadot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Chris Pine was wearing taller heels than she was, right? In every scene they're in together. If you can't see their feet, assume that he's wearing heels and she's barefoot. Or he's just standing on a box. He's standing on a box. <laughs> Fine. Well, no, they, they have their, they have them spread out in such a way that like it makes them look the same height, if not taller than her. Though the different angles oh, and whatnot. Yeah. The Peter Jackson school of filming he is six foot and one half inch oh is he oh well she's 510 so i guess they pull it off she always wear he wears heels she's always in heels even her amazonian wonder Wonder woman outfit has heels oh man i hate that so much i've always found that strange in in any movie that has any any female character like as some sort of soldier that they always wear like boots with a heel yeah black widow does it. i don't it doesn't make yeah I'm, I'll admit, I've walked in heels before to see what it's like. Uh, I could not imagine running, yeah. them, much less wearing a boot with a heel. So. I had a co-worker, really, I, I think a supervisor for a little bit. She was rather short. She was maybe 5'2", like 5'1", something like that. And she wore, she didn't wear heels, but she wore her tennis shoes and her dress shoes and whatnot had like big... I guess heels. I don't. What, do you, what would you call those? Slants? I don't know. Wedges. Wedges. Yeah, there you go. Huge wedges because she wanted to be a few inches taller. And that's how she walked around, and she would. She just. That's how she lived. Okay, um, wedges and heels are not made equal. No, wedges I guess are not. way but, more. But these combat boots are more like wedges than they are heels. Are they not? The combat boots with the. Yeah, they're. Yeah, they are. So I've I've seen it, but I also don't. I don't know. It's just they want them to look taller, I guess. Or is it the way that it makes their legs look? It's that. Uh, Mm. Uh, from my perspective that's what that is it's insulting to everybody yeah we've talked about that before (laughs) we don't need to go down a huge (laughs) go down that road unless we really really want to Uh, oh man i i would like to talk about pedro pascal uh pedro in this movie yeah and his bursting blood vessels in his eyes and his lack of (laughs) mustache yeah it's the 80s right like that's when he should have a mustache right i'm confused well, I think he's supposed to. Um, I think he's supposed to be like a Cuban stereotype, right, or a Puerto Rican stereotype. Yeah, I guess. Well, I, well, in the eighties, well, because I, I think he's supposed to be an analog for. I don't want to. I don't Isn't he say. just Lex Luthor from Superman one or two? Yeah, I mean that's essentially that's what his character is. Yeah. Well, except that he's he's unsuccessful. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, um, yeah, I guess you're you're right. Superman one, Lex Luthor is successful. Superman Deus Ex Machina's time travel in order to beat him. So, <laughs> by the way, we're going to spoil other movies. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Wonder Woman with a budget of two hundred million dollars is uh, so far only Water. grossed eighty five point four million box office. Which um, I don't I don't think that's going to count for HBO who's watching it on HBO. Yeah, can we talk about where that two hundred million dollars went? <laughs> Uh, it's got to be filming locations. This mm-hmm. movie was filmed in in England, a lot of places in England. Leavesden, specifically, the Warner Brothers Studios out there. Uh, D.C., Northern Virginia, also in El Cazaba of Almeria, which is in Spain. Yeah, not Egypt. Right. <laughs> I guess it looks interesting. Clo- looks close enough geologically speaking. Yeah. The apartments that I think that she lives in are part of Arlington. Um, I don't know if you know what Arlington is in Virginia, mm-hmm. but it's um 
it's like unincorporated. I think they also filmed in Alexandria, which is also an independent city in the Commonwealth of Virginia. So that's strange enough as it is. Like that, that those buildings, like when you see that, that shot of the, the two buildings overlooking the river, I think it's also been in Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Yeah. All those scenes were filmed in Arlington, which is pretty neat. Sure. So if, if it were, if it was incorporated as a city, it'd be the fourth, mo- fourth most populous city in Virginia. Oh, that's crazy. But, I didn't realize how big yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's interesting because that's where the Arlington National Cemetery is. <laughs> where the, the Pentagon is also there. <laughs> it's kind of strange. It's weird. Huh. It's weird. Yeah. You, you think it's all filming locations? No, I'm, like, I'm being sarcastic. Okay, like, uh, honestly, I mean, they got some, I mean, Chris Pine's not cheap. Gal Gadot's not cheap, right? I imagine, especially after the first movie, right? We're talking about a sequel. So there's some there. Was there 80s music in the movie that no. I just don't I remember? For, no, there wasn't. I feel like when they were when they were at the party. Oh, sure. Okay, there's some background music. There's some, yeah. there's some 80s music, yeah. But um, for a movie that takes place in the 80s, it doesn't feel like the 80s. No. I mean, besides a little bit of the fashion and the whole s- sequence with Chris Pine trying on outfits, which I'm not against. Like that I thought was it was funny. Scene. Chris Pine was Chris Pine as comedic relief was a wonderful surprise. He needs to do more of that. It was great. They kind of flipped the I don't want to say the stereotype, but they kind of flipped the fish out of cliche. water. Well, which is what they have uh, like in Pretty Woman when Richard Gere's sitting down in a chair and, and to a lesser extent, I think um Runaway Bride. I don't know why I'm on Julia Roberts Richard Gere thing here. But when he's just sitting in a chair watching Julia Roberts like try on different outfits, right. they flipped that as to where it's now Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot critiquing and telling Chris Pine what he can and can't wear. I thought that was pretty interesting. Sure. In regards to Chris Pine's comedic timing, I always feel like he's been a great comedic like a comedic actor. Like even in this his serious roles like Star Trek and it has been 48 minutes and 24 seconds before we mentioned Star Trek. Nice. Is that he's a record? Great. I think so. That might be a record. He's great in those movies for his comedic timing. He's a serious person and then manages to play up scenes for laughs that don't feel sure over the top. And I oh, think that, very that plays I think that plays pretty well. The only scene which I had a kind of a problem with him in it is the scene where they're in quote unquote Cairo. Huh. He, he I don't want to say he's getting in the way because he's not. It just it felt weird. <laughs> like he's driving this tiny little Yugo or whatever this four door economy vehicle is, and he smashes it into the back of an armored personnel carrier and lives. Yeah, like that's that that was strange enough. That has nothing to do with his comic, uh, his comedic timing. But it was the only scene I didn't feel like he should have been in. That's all I'm gonna well, say. Okay, well, I think it's time. <laughs> I don't think he should have been in this movie at all. Just remove him. Okay. Just if you remove him, does it does it change the movie? No, because well, <laughs> so what you would do instead is you would just add more uh, Diana Prince and Barbara Minerva, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Wonder Woman and Cheetah scenes. Have them get closer. Have them become friends. Heck, have them become uh, possible romantic interests to each other, love interests, before Cheetah's inevitable betrayal. And have put more emotion in that. Besides, they have one dinner date and now they're friends, I guess. Well, I mean... And that would also cut like 30 minutes from the movie. Diana saved her. Like, True. right after their dinner date, when she get she gets tacked. She saves a lot of children and Kristen Wiig. And I think that after that, like, I, I agree. Like, if you removed Chris Pine out of that equation, and after she, she saved Barbara from being attacked in that park walking home, they became closer friends, and she, quote-unquote, helped 
Barbara creates some self-confidence and, you know, became this independent woman that she always wanted to be. And then she betrayed her after that. That yeah. that uh, that feels like a better storyline. And I like that Diana Prince... It, I keep saying her full name because uh, I'm staring at it on the screen here. But Diana just lets her walk home by herself after that. I'm like, just walk her home. And they could have had more. There's just more. There could have been more emotional investment. So I don't I, wonder- I don't think that Steve Trevor needed to be in the movie at all besides throwback references or that type of thing. I don't think he needed well, to be no. brought we back to Well, no. We had the Invisible life. Jet. Would you have had it without <laughs> Steve? Well, let's talk about the. Do you want to talk about the jet? We're talking about. Let's talk. <laughs> we could talk about the jet. It was at a tornado that has a range of about what seven hundred to one thousand miles. Let's look. I mean, it's also it's also a two seater, which I don't think they are. Are they? I think that's <laughs> why they chose that jet. Look, the Smithsonian has. <laughs> Jets that are fueled up and ready to go. They have air, air traffic control towers. They have private security. Uh, never mind the fact that Wonder Woman used her own credentials to get into the Smithsonian and into the back door. So they would have known it was her. They make the jet invisible, but radar detects things that are invisible. Well, you know what? But it's magic. I'm going to say it's completely invisible, just like the mascara. Please don't correct my pronunciation of that. I, I think that was it. Thank you. Was it, yeah. oh, I nailed it first time. First try. I, we could have had a different pilot character. We may, may you know, and what did the invisible jet add to the plot except for the fireworks scene, which the slowest moving jet in the entire world. Uh, the fireworks <laughs> scene was very pretty. <laughs> but then we wouldn't have this nonsense of a World War One prop plane pilot going like, oh, here's the fuel button. And here's how we turn on a jet engine. This is the speed I need to be at and the velocity I need to do be at to take off. And just knowing all of these things. I was under the impression, and I don't know how to fly, but under the impression that you have to get trained and certified on every single aircraft that you fly. You can't just like Sulu it up and show up and take a helicopter because you know how to fly a spaceship. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't, I just, the whole scene was just an excuse to have the invisible plane. I No, I don't agree with that. Oh. I don't think that that like that was why they had the invisible plane. I think that the invisible plane and the conversation that they had about Steve and flying and his thoughts on that eventually allowing or giving Diana the you know the free the freedom to fly after she confidence renounces her wish confidence maybe yeah I think that that is what that was for. Okay, well then then let's move on to the next plot hole. <laughs> well, hold on. <laughs> Um, hold on okay. before we do that. Okay. Two things. One, I know exactly who they could have replaced Steve Trevor with. Hal Jordan. Ooh. <laughs> a test pilot she just happens to run into at the dinner party. You know, she's there. She's hanging around. Steve Trevor isn't in the mix. Okay. She ends up talking to maybe Maxwell Lord and Barbara Minerva. And then just the she hears some boisterousness. She turns around and there is Hal Jordan. It can be Ryan Reynolds. I don't care if it is or not. That would have been but then he, that if if it had been Hal Jordan, I would that would have loved that. And if it had been so. Ryan Reynolds as Hal Jordan, I would have <laughs> I would have lost it. I would have had to pause the movie and rewind. I, I don't know. Oh wow! But I do before we before we go to what you were your second plot hole. What if this movie had actually instead of taking place over the span of what appears to be about I don't know ninety hours? Yeah, not very long. Yeah, if if it had instead taken place over the course of months. So Kat brought up an interesting idea where they bond, not even necessarily romantically, but she saves Barbara in the park, right? And then we fast forward three months where because of this experience, Barbara's a different person. 
we don't even have to like she could have wished to become who she is in the background we never actually had to see it and maybe we do at the end like when there's a flashback whatever right but instead of this being so truncated we let the natural evolution of their friendship reach its zenith and then there's the betrayal how much more emotional investment do you have in that as opposed to yeah i'm gonna save my life and then tomorrow morning i'm gonna wish i was a superhero i don't know yeah do you feel like the the timeline or the the sequence of events feels rushed? In yes, a, yeah, yeah. So, and then maybe at some point she tells Diana, "Oh yeah, I wished so I could be as great, I could be like you." And then that's when Diana wishes that Steve Trevor was back or he was alive. Sure. You know what I mean? Even even if we have Steve Trevor, we don't have to have him. It could have been Hal Jordan, but no. <laughs> Hal Jordan would have been an interesting choice. That would have been a, a great way to just reintroduce the green lantern into yeah. the extended universe he could have just been hal like it didn't have to be hal jordan it just been a guy named hal like, yeah yeah like this is we're talking about pre green lantern yeah hal well, it's jordan. in the 80s right yeah, no, makes sense. he was he was a he was a test pilot yeah makes sense that he would be flying around or maybe it's his dad cal <laughs> jordan <laughs> no but okay no no but Fair. all right but all right <laughs> so i don't disagree but i kind of want to change gears here a little bit so you're talking okay. about the wishes right i made a wish and then this happened but the monkey's no one yeah. yeah nowhere in the film does it ever explain how this guy who is for all intents and purposes has a pyramid scheme company finds out about this stone or where it is or how he got his hands on it well he is supposed to be he's latino and I think uh, she explains that, oh, every time that this dreamstone has been found, the civilization that finds it reaches this mighty apex and then catastrophically falls. Right. And the last time it was seen was in, I think she, she says the Mayas. I think she says the Mayans or the Incas or something like, like that. The Mayans, South American. Yeah. And he, he's, a, he's obviously a descendant from someone there. And so he probably heard legends as a child, he grew up, you know, just the same thing, you know, with if you're a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, you know, you know who King Arthur is, you know what Excalibur is, you know, you know who the Knights of the Round Table are. I'm sure that in each culture, especially in South America, they have their own legends. You know what I mean? I thought when she became Cheetah, after I found out that he was of South American descent, I thought she was going to put on like like a, a leopard headdress or something. And that was going to transform her instead of just right she, isn't that the grants her another wish i feel like the original cheetah had a special so. suit but there's been more than one interpretation of that character and i'm not upset about how she becomes cheetah sure i'm upset <laughs> i'm upset about the way she looks i saw somebody um compare her cheetah outfit to the the cats the, the live action cats movie <laughs> yes which are people going to start <laughs> asking for the butthole edit of yeah <laughs> The yeah, she, it was bad. It, it was. I didn't mind that she became more cheetah, right? Like I get, I get all that, but that CGI was just absolutely horrible. Like the background blended in with the her coloring to kind of blur yeah, the well, lines. They, they did that typical because if you notice, if you recall, early superhero films, all of the big action sequences at the end of the movie take place at night or in dark areas because that hides bad CGI better. It wasn't until more right. recently that we got these big, brightly lit computer generated uh, or computer assisted generated fights and epic scenes and whatnot and so this kind of going back to spider-man one just didn't it, it just it's just a huge step back and just i don't know cinematography yeah like i understand that Kristen wig probably isn't able to execute some of the the moves required in order to be a uh, a worthy opponent 
to Wonder Woman. But like, well, neither can Gal Gadot. But that's a whole other. You know what I mean? But but yeah. But why does Gal Gadot? Like, why do we get to see Gal Gadot? I mean, she's CG for a couple of the, the scenes or whatever when she's fighting. But why couldn't they just do that with Kristen Wiig? <laughs> yeah. Why did she have to wear some weird cat suit? Well, I mean, it is Cheetah, but they, they've reinvented characters for movies before. They could have easily had her just with her cheetah print skirt or whatever it was. And that's that's who it is and never say her name. And I guess which I, I yeah. guess they never did say Cheetah. No, is a, I don't let's be so. honest, a dumb name, but <laughs> Well, so she she get in the comic book she gets her powers from a cheetah god. So that kind of makes sense. Oh. Um, well this time she got it from the Mandalorian. <laughs> so it's a little little of a weird no, She weird didn't get it from over. the Mandalorian. She got it from yeah. She got it from the stone. The, the dreamstone. He Technically, wasn't... but he was the dreamstone at that point. No, he so. wasn't. Yeah. No, yeah, she becomes Amazonian oh, or yeah. whatever, but she becomes a cheetah creature and she wishes Speaking to of... be like Diana and gets all of her powers except for one woman's immunity to electricity. <laughs> That was the one thing the Dreamstone was like, ooh, I can't give you that. Well, she's wearing bad. all that brass, so, you know, it's probably what it is. Well, it isn't, because Wonder Woman is the daughter of Zeus, right? So, yeah, she's not she's immune to electricity, but so should Cheetah be, according to, I don't know, the movie I just watched. But she made a wish to become a quote-unquote apex predator, and because she made a wish, she had to give up something. Maybe that was one of the things that she gave up. Oh, so maybe maybe it gave her immunity to electricity and then took it back? Yeah. Yeah. Once again, that's just, we're <laughs> defending, we're doing that thing. We're doing that thing. I think one of her pieces of equipment is what gives her resistance to lightning. Is it? I think so. <sighs> yeah. Can, okay. So do we want to talk about her equipment? Like how much are we diving into all of these? Cause this, she's got the golden armor for what? Uh, toys. Yeah. Oh. So they could have that promotional poster of her with all the color of the movie. In drained into shape that poster various <laughs> just this armor that just falls apart yeah. <laughs> well i mean if she wore it when she, she had didn't have her powers that would have made more sense but she's like i got my powers back i'm gonna fly for 20 minutes at the speed of lightning and then gain even more powers and basically destroy this ancient suit of armor well she just destroys the wings is I it thought. just the wings <laughs> Okay, maybe. So let's and let's talk. Uh, can we talk about her flying? Are we? Is it time to talk about her flying yet? You, Please, you Anthony, talk, talk about, about her flying. flying. Yeah. How, I know that's all you want to talk what, about. How did she? <laughs> what is? Is she flying or is she flinging herself with her Deus Ex Lasso of Truth? Yes. And how come she doesn't fly in the next two movies? Because they haven't introduced it yet. Because they're flying on Batman's plane. <laughs> but she fights Doomsday. It doesn't fly. Yeah. Doomsday doesn't fly. No, but Superman does flying around doing his thing. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, and in Justice that... League, as horrible as that movie was, she should have. There's several scenes where her, her ability to fly would have come in handy. Does that mean that Wonder Woman is the Spider-Man of the DC universe? In what way? Because she uses her lasso to like fly around on things. No, it just means that she really likes Metallica. She likes what? Metallica. She's riding the lightning. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess now that I'm thinking I've had about that it, joke in my back pocket for like two days. Nice, <laughs> nice. It didn't go well. I loved it. So I don't know how the lasso of truth works, but it it does attach to a plane at some point, which has got to be thousands and thousands of feet in the air. So I guess it can be any length she needs it to be. It can show people the truth, and it can grab on the lightning. And either it doesn't conduct electricity, or that was the movie trying to tell us that she's immune 
to electricity and I just didn't catch it right before I mean, the next thing. She also loses it several times. And it reappears. And then it's in her hands, in her hands. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's your, that's typical. That's just, med, that's just movie magic. That's just editing. <sighs> the same reason why John McClane drops his gun in every scene that is in, but he somehow has that gun in the next you scene. You so. watch yourself. <laughs> Look, I just binged the first three. I know what I'm talking about. There's more than three. Um, All right. All right. <laughs> I just I do want to give a special shout out to some of the actors that we probably haven't mentioned yet. Oh, sure. Robin Wright, she plays Antiope, who just happens to be Diana's aunt, probably most famous for her role as Princess Buttercup. Really? That's where you think she's the most famous? I think that's where she, well, either that or Forrest Gump, right? One of the two. Really? I mean, I think more, I mean, I think maybe. She's been in a lot of things. Yeah, I'm just saying like when people see her, they're like, oh, oh. Princess Buttercup. Oh, I, I think the House of Cards, but. Oh, never seen it. Oh, there, well, there you go. Connie Nielsen plays uh, Hippolyta. She's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, she was also, spe- <laughs> speaking of Metallica, uh, she was married to Lars Ulrich at some point. Oh, really? Nice. Mm-hmm. She's been in a bunch of stuff. One Hour Photo, Gladiator, Mission to Mars. That's the that's the bad one, I think, right? I don't. Yeah. Because yeah. Red Planet's the good one. Yeah. Oh, I okay. go, dude, I couldn't tell you which of those two movies is which. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, she's been in some TV stuff, but a lot of movies. The guy who actually plays, quote unquote, plays Steve Trevor. I had his name here, but I've already lost it. Christopher Palaha. What? He's credited as handsome man. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. I was like, what do you mean, Steve Trevor? <laughs> Just handsome man? Uh, and then oh, my God. Amir Wackid, or Wakhead, I think. He is the... The guy that Maxwell Lord tries to buy all his oil from and eventually builds that giant wall. Uh, Natasha Rothwell is Carol, Barbara's boss. Ravi Patel is Jati. He's the shaman. Mm. The Mayan shaman, I think, is who he is. The Mayan shaman. Is that what we're calling the guy who had a book? That's the, what no she says she says he calls himself a shaman or something like does, that. <laughs> do the did the Mayans make books? Or is this just like Mayan writings that then got bound into a, a book? I Look, know. man, I'm not ready to dive into the 1984 um, extended canon. Okay. I'm just trying to give people a shout out. We haven't said I'm sorry. Gabrielle Wilde is Maxwell's assistant. Raquel. Mr. Lord. Mr. Lord. Oliver Cotton appears as Simon Stagg, Maxwell's investor. Kelvin Yu is Jake. And Stuart Milligan is the president of the United States, who is not Reagan. Yeah, not Reagan. And we kind of gave the go-to-way at the beginning. But Linda Carter <laughs> cameos in this movie yeah. as Asteria, who is the legendary Amazonian warrior from which the golden armor was used originally to fight off man in order for the Amazons to escape I'm just going to go ahead and assume some supercontinent, Pangaea, maybe. I don't know yeah, at what point know. they decided to leave. I assumed Greece. Where is Themyscira? I know we don't know. Is it not in the Atlantic Ocean somewhere? Because Chris Pine crashed lands there in the first movie. Crash lands, excuse me. So it can't be. Was he fighting? No, he wasn't fighting in the Pacific. He was fighting the Germans. Yeah. So it's got to be in the Mediterranean. It's got to be dangerously close to Atlantis, I guess. Yeah, very smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So you mentioned a whole bunch of actors that are only there, like like Robin Wright's only there in the first, however long that opening scene was of the movie. Oh, the um, the flashback. The, I had a name for it. Let me go ahead and I'll find it and I'll, I'll so come back to it. So the opening scene has young Diana like in some contest with other Amazonians and she's winning until one small mistake or whatever. Totally didn't see that coming. Wasn't it a plot point of the first movie that she wasn't able to train until she was a teenager? 
Like her mother kept her from training at a young age? Yes. Okay. I think this is what she's like. I don't necessarily think she's referring to it. Uh, by the way, Amazolympics is what I came up with. It's called. <laughs> Say it again for me. Say it again. Amazolympics. Amazolympics. That's a, that's a good title. <laughs> well, it's because I think Antiope tells her like, you're not ready to win now. Because right, but like, why was she even could, in the? How did she even have those skills if she's never trained? Is what I'm because she's this. Yeah, she's the sure daughter of Zeus. Sure, <laughs> it was. She's a demigod. It was unnecessary for all intents and purposes. Oh, I think right? it was It'd be the same thing if it was. It was trailer Hercules. fodder. Is what all that was. Yeah. Yeah, that scene had no significance on the movie. Well, she learns that truth isn't whatever, and then that doesn't come up again for another hour and twenty minutes. <laughs> so by the time that they were trying to make that point, yeah, it, it, you've forgotten. It didn't matter. None of it mattered. It was just eye candy. Maybe that's where half of the money went. Is they went to they built Themyscira, <laughs> right? Like that's not CGI. They built all of that. And that's why they didn't have money to make Cheetah look, you know, like, like not a real thing. Not like, like a real boy. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's yeah. Too no, the, much. the messaging the messaging was definitely confusing. I feel like if they had just stayed on message, because during that scene when she's clearly beating the other competitors, like I was telling my wife, I was like, they're gonna resent her because she's a child and she's beating these full grown adults. And I thought that, like in my head, I knew it's. I knew she was going to lose. But I thought the reason she was going to lose is because one of the her competitors was going to knock her off her horse, maybe, mm. or like shoot the shoot an arrow or bow out of her hand or something like that. I mean, it, it's fine that it didn't come to pass like that. I don't know. That would have felt that that would feel odd in their culture. Seems to be very supportive and uplifting. You know, I don't know. That would have that would have felt out of place. I'm glad it was through her own mistakes that she lost. Yeah, like I said, it's it's fine that it didn't happen that yeah. way. But I feel like they should have just stayed on message with the reason why we're not letting you win is because you're always going to win. And if you're always going to win as a child, then you're never going to experience loss. I feel like that's the message that they should have given. Not necessarily that this is like, this is who you are. This is the truth. And the truth is bigger than everyone around you. But that would have made more sense for her feelings of loss for Steve, right? Mm Because the only time that she's ever lost has been in competition. She's defeated every opponent she's ever faced, right? Right. Except for herself or, I guess, other Amazons. And the one thing that she can't overcome is the inevitability of death. Oh, yeah, but they didn't play into that at all. Yeah, well, maybe that's what that's what they're trying to do is like, this is the truth. This is how the world works. You can't change the truth. The truth is what it is. But I feel like that, that message either isn't conveyed correctly or it was missed. Because they talk about the truth and I'm like, all right, that's cool. Yeah, the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden she's using the truth to defeat Maxwell Lord, which right. uh, was interesting enough. Like that's, I feel like it's a comic book ending. I know a lot of people complained about the ending uh, from what I read online, yeah. but I feel like that's how a lot of comic books sometimes end with a deus ex machina. You know? Sure. Like, I was fine with the ending. I'm glad that she didn't just punch him to death. <laughs> Although if <laughs> clicking on Maxwell Lord's Wikipedia entry, there is a picture of Wonder Woman breaking his neck in a comic. So apparently that does happen <laughs> eventually or in different, in different incarnations of that character. But I was glad that she was able to overcome it with something larger than herself and with everybody, you know, the truth. So I'm fine with that, but it did feel like it came out of nowhere. Like they they didn't build up to that. They had the one scene where she shows Chris Pine all of this this stuff and was like, oh, okay, cool. That was weird. And then two hours later, and I don't think it was actually two hours later, she's, but she does it. She doesn't only once before. So it's, it just doesn't feel, I don't know, doesn't feel right. Didn't feel earned, I guess would be the way I put that. What do you think, Kat? Did you like the ending? Yeah, I guess so. 
mean, I didn't hate it, but... I feel like it, it portrayed a, like, not necessarily an arc for Maxwell Lord, but it definitely allowed them to, despite this movie's shortcomings, I feel like the most layered character is probably Maxwell Lord. Mm. At first, you're like, this is just some greedy, crazy psycho, right? Like, he's... He's essentially stealing all this money from this investor guy, right? And he's right. convincing all these people to buy into this co-op, which, you know, hey, you become an investor, you, you get part of the, you know, the revenue, whatever. Like, he's trying to do this weird startup. And then he gets the Dreamstone, and then he just keeps telling his kid, hey, I'm, do I'm doing all this for you because I don't want you to be a loser. And then we find out towards the end of the movie, the reason why he acts like that is because his dad is an asshole, right? Uh, <laughs> who probably abused him and his mother. I think we actually, we don't see him abusing his mother, but we see him yelling at her, unless I missed them hitting her. Did we see his dad? Did I just miss that in a montage or something? It was like yeah, a like flashback, he, and he's like looking through the door, and he sees his, his dad like like standing above his mother who was sitting on the ground, so you have some like, ex, like expectation that that... Heavily inferred. Or, yeah, yeah, sorry. The, Heavily the context of like we fill in the blanks. Uh, was that in the middle of? Okay, I remember that, but wasn't that in the middle of all of the the wishes that were happening? If I remember right, it was at the end when he's standing like in the weird beam, right? And we're getting flashes of somebody trying to get all the Irish out of America, some other girl dying, and people wishing for this, that, and the other. And right, but, so well, I just assumed it's... that was some other kid making a wish. No, like Diana's talking, and it flashes back to it. Oh, so I missed that. That was supposed to be yeah. him. Yeah, no, my bad. Like, well, because it's it's like she's he is supposed to see the truth because of her little whip thing, you know, truth whip. And I think that that like it's he starts to to see the truth, and then at the end he sees Alistair running through like DC on this deserted interstate, and he's just like yeah. yelling for his dad. Yeah, there's there's fire, right? Okay. Like it's it's pandemonium, it's chaos. Yeah, truth. I, whip. I think he's the best character of the movie. Truth whip. Yeah, that's. <laughs> That's I disagree, high but whatever. High, that's high grade right there. Mm. <laughs> no, I, I just think he has the most layers. Um, we're able to peel him back because he's a he's a criminal for a, a various assortment of reasons. Probably some SEC violations. You know, who knows how many people he's defrauded. You know, he's probably party to malfeasance on a mm. geological level, right? Like he has been on television telling people to wish for whatever they want and then all these things happen. So people know, unless that somehow, because they don't really talk about it in the other movies, but people know who this guy is and he's spent his entire life trying to not be a loser. And at the end, as it turns out, the reason why he's not a loser, he's, he, <laughs> well, he is a loser, but his son doesn't think he's a loser and that's all that really matters, right? Aww. Uh <laughs> But I, I feel like he starts out of this stock standard cardboard cutout of a power hungry villain. And then as the movie progresses, like you see the toll it starts to take on him physically, mentally and emotionally. And then he just gives that all away. Yeah. That's a very comic book ending. It is. I, I was fine with the. I'm fine with the ending. I don't feel like everything's earned, but that's just, I mean, you've heard me talk about the movie. I don't, I don't think there was any way they could have ended it where I would have been very, very happy. So I've been trying to decide when to, when to bring up a couple of things. It's your life, man. We're just living in it. That's true. You're all here. Here's your me. sign. Why was everyone wearing long sleeves and jackets in the middle of July or late June in DC? Like I've lived in that. Not I've lived. I haven't lived in DC. I've lived in Virginia, a few hours south. It's not cold. Why is it daytime in Egypt and DC at the same time? Like midday. Why? Is it snowing at the end of the movie when it was the fourth, the day before, or two, three days before, whatever it is? 
Okay. I don't expect answers. Well, it wasn't. Questions. Okay, so the, the ending with the snow, it wasn't supposed to be like, oh, hey, this is the next day. Everything's back to normal. It's like, hey, time's passed. She's back to living her life and she's walking through the snow because oh, it's now so Christmas. This, Things have gotten back to a time to jump without them. Normal. Yeah, okay. Without, oh, this yeah. goes back to the first thing I said where they're uh, they're just, you, you'll accept it. It's fine. It still doesn't explain <laughs> long sleeves and, and jackets. DC in June, July. Because that was what the style was. No, no yeah, there's no, no reason. So, I think so, either, but... <laughs> so good like, try, good try. The fourth, no, the 4th of July does pass, right? I feel like at the beginning of the movie, I saw a Christmas tree. Did you? I honestly feel like I did when they're in Steve Trevor's apartment. Was there? I feel like I saw a Christmas tree. Was there a Christmas tree? tree at like maybe the party that she goes to? Well, I thought so. I don't remember seeing a Christmas tree. However, if, if you're going on the fact that there was a Christmas tree in a single man's apartment. Mm. It's no, 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 probably no, no, no. the same Christmas tree that he's had for the last seven months, man. Exactly. What I'm saying is... That's probably a continuity error. Oh, it's a huge one. <laughs> that's probably yeah. the reason. That's probably the reason why oh. they're wearing jackets and long sleeves in, in quote unquote July is because the movie wasn't filmed in quote unquote July. Right. But it actually wasn't supposed to take place in July. They just had to add the scene of the fireworks. Right. Well, and I'll, we're so. not going to go through the long list of I guess goofs or continuity errors. This, we got a continuity error. Here. Yeah. If you're all really interested, if you go to a, um, IMDb's list of of goofs, it's rather extensive with just. <laughs> Things that are there that didn't exist in 1984. And not just like, oh, this didn't come out till 85 or 86. Like stuff that didn't come out to the mid-90s or, you know, 2013. That type of thing. I don't know if they knew. Was this movie always set in the 80s when it was written? I, I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. Yeah. Let's. Uh, speaking of goofs, let's just go through a couple of them. Sure. When Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor are walking along the reflecting pool, a shot behind them clearly shows the World War II memorial, which opened in 2004. When discussing the grant, Barbara takes Max and Diana into her office when they leave and close the door. The name on it says D. Prince. Oh, see, I saw that and thought I just misheard from earlier. I remember the, the wall saying D. Prince and just thought, oh, I, I must be mistaken. But it's the same. <laughs> it's the same office that she takes um, Max Lord in later after the or during the mm. party. Yeah. So. yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Steve says he used the phone book to find Diana. He died in 1918, but the telephone was not introduced until 1927. Or the, the phone book or telephones? Telephone book, Telephone sorry. book, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's Diana goes to the gala reception held for Maxwell Lord's involvement in the Smithsonian. Welcome to Pleasure Dome by Frankie Goes to Hollywood is heard playing. The film is set in 1984, uh, the summer of 1984, uh, but the song was not released until October 29th. It's just laziness. It's just a lot of laziness. And I don't know if that's because they didn't know when the movie was going to, like, I don't know what script rewrites were happening in the middle of filming or if it's just editing. Uh, There's, it's inconsistent, not just in its messaging and plot, but also just, I don't know what the word is, that the the cinematography is inconsistent. Like, it doesn't know when it is, where it is. What's the point of this scene? We'll figure it out afterwards. I don't know. In regards to another Pedro Pascal movie that we just watched and released the newest episode for. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And that was uh, December 28th, 2020. Please go listen to it. We talked about at the end of our podcast of like the details, like the world building, mm. like the, the tiny little things that make You're talking a about movie prospect. Work. Yes. I don't think it's that, like, I say that. I've never been part of a Hollywood production. I've never been part of any sort of film production. But I feel like it's not hard to miss the details. 
You know what I mean? Like, no, it's got to be. It's got to be very easy to just not miss those things. I think. Like, like you're saying, like, are you trying like to in, defend in post production? Not defend. No, them? no, no, I'm no. To decide which no. What you mean? When I say that they walked around the reflecting pool in the World War II memorial hadn't been opened since 2004, how hard would it have been to someone go, "Hey, man, that thing's that thing wasn't there in the 80s. CG it out, or just like, film this couldn't. somewhere else." Yeah, or yeah, or just refilm the shot. Like, how how hard is it? No, Chris, if you had to. <laughs> If you had to uh, edit a two and a half hour long movie that was way longer than that to begin with, would you catch every little thing? Me? No. People making six figures to <laughs> sit in a room full of people look, and figure it out? Maybe. Look, the arcade game Operation Wolf was released in 1987. Yeah, that's Kids actually. I think arcade. that's actually listed on that IMDb list like seven times. Yeah. Uh, people wanted you look, to know. Uh, look, and it's fair. That's not. I'm a not deal. worried about like, things that are a few years off. I really am not. Yeah, the, like, that's just the whatever. song being released months later. Whatever. Not a big deal. There's an LED sign in the DC Metro. LEDs. I don't think were invented in the 80s. I don't. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's how difficult is it to catch those? Is all I'm asking. It's. Because they don't think, once again, I just don't think they knew what they were doing. Like, I don't, it's not that they didn't catch it, it's that they didn't even realize they had to, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And then at the end, they didn't have the money left to, to re-re-edit, so. So something that I found was uh, actually kind of fun. Have either of you taken somebody on an escalator for the first time? Yes. Yes. And do you think that Steve's reaction to being on an escalator the first time embodies the reaction that you got from that person you took on an escalator for the first time? No. The Uh, person I took was (laughs) scared of it. I was like, no, it's just a moving staircase. You just stand here. It was my eight-year-old nephew. We went up instead of down. Mm. But no, he, he did like... When we were walking up towards it, he was very unsure. He's like, whoa, hold on a second. This thing moves without me having to move it? Yep, yep. Is that not also the... You, you skipped over the plot hole where fireworks, escalators, and the subway all existed in Steve Trevor's original lifetime and existed in London where a big part of the movie takes place, the first Wonder Woman movie takes place. So him being surprised by all of those things is kind of... Um, it's I just it's insulting. It's just an, it's another plot hole. Wait, what? Wait, what? What? I'm sorry. Do that again. Say that entire thing again one more time, I so I understood it. Clearly. I don't think I can remember everything I say. I, I did say you it. say that we're assuming that escalators didn't exist? No, I in said they, no, no, no. Escalators, the subway, and fireworks all existed in Steve Trevor's original lifetime. I don't think they. I don't think escalators did. And they existed, according <laughs> to my Google searches. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> and i don't think the subway existed in 1917 either <laughs> at least maybe not in london the first escalator was patented in 1859 uh, another patent in 1892 early european manufacturers starting in 1898 1906 london underground 1863 yep that's fair yeah and he was in london in the first movie so he would have seen some of these things fireworks are much much older than that yeah, but you can maybe play that off as him trying to figure out why not what but she immediately explains to him oh those are just fireworks i'm like yeah he knows what he knows what fireworks are which he then associates with the fourth of july which i get but there are other reasons well i think it that is there the could fourth. be like Pedro Pascal's or Max Ward, whatever Mando's plane ticket says <laughs> July Fourth on it when he's flying to Egypt. Right. I don't know. All right, we've beaten around the bush enough. Are we going to talk about this guy that Steve Trevor just possesses? Are we going to talk about this and the moral implications thereof? Uh, 
Or are we just going to ignore so, that because plenty of other people are, are beating on it? The only question I have is if he remembers anything. Because he doesn't remember Diana. Yeah. Yeah, at the end, yeah. That's fair. So I assumed. <laughs> what if he wakes up and he's like, man, why do my feet hurt all the time? Yeah, because I'm wearing these heels. Why is there dust in my socks? What's the, is this sand? Yeah. I hate sand. It's coarse and it's grating and it gets everywhere. Ugh, you're fired. So <laughs> I was going wrong. the whole movie. <laughs> Dang it. I was going the whole movie hoping that, because the Dreamstone like births things into existence, the giant wall, all of these nuclear weapons, blah, blah, blah. But with Steve Trevor coming back, it replaces another human being. So I was thinking that that new human being was new, like it didn't exist before, right? And that was its way of bringing Steve Trevor back. It was like, I'm going to bring him back, but he looks different, yada, yada, yada. Then he's there at the end of the movie as a person. So he had to have existed before, right? I mean, he has an apartment. He's got clothes. Why is no one upset that, like, it never crosses Diana or Steve's mind that, hey, we're ruining this dude's dude's life. I don't know, man. (laughs) I've got a theory. And what my theory actually presupposes is that he does recognize Diana. And he, because he, when he talks to her, like, there's like a a moment which you, I I wonder if it's intentionally done or maybe it was just the camera work, but there's a moment in which she like almost goes after him. Like he kind of walks away and she stands there for an extra second, right? So I wonder if that was his way of trying to get her to be interested. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's fine. He also puts himself in a lot of danger. Yeah. <laughs> With not his body. Like, because that guy is in no position to consent to anything that's happening to his person. He's not going to remember any of it. And I don't, that doesn't make it right. Just because mm-hmm. a crime is victimless and no one's ever going to know about it doesn't make it not morally or ethically yeah. horrible. Yeah. Trees still fall in the forest even if no one's around to see it. Right. I don't know. Am I way off base? Am I? I'm probably overanalyzing, but why didn't they just bring him back as Steve Trevor? Like, what? Why did they have to make him possess somebody else? And why wasn't that the monkey's paw? Why wasn't the, oh yeah, you brought back Steve Trevor and we brought back your your the love of your life, but he looks different and he, he, we had to sacrifice some other dude for it. Like that is a huge moral implication. Well, you know? okay. So well, when, she- when he died, that, there's only a 60 year difference between the two movies. There's a chance that someone would recognize him. Well, he's part of the OSS, isn't he? Like he's sure he's part of like a the CIA of its time. So I mean, the amount of people who probably know who Steve Trevor are is very little because I mean he he goes behind enemy lines. He recruits right. people who well, you're are talking regulars. about family though, right? Like relatives. The only people who might be able to recognize him would be old. Well, no, no, I don't. I don't even say that because anyone who would be anyone who would who would have the mental capability to recognize him would be sixty years plus. So even if the youngest of them, which is you know eight, that's sixty eight, right? Right. So I mean, you're you're banking on a sixty eight year old who probably doesn't have any pictures of Steve Trevor who, you know, went off and had a family who can only tell them about Steve Trevor, their uncle or or whatever, cousin, something. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah. No, I, I just don't see how that could be a thing. And I mean, even if that was a thing, if that feels like a thing that the Dreamstone would not avoid, like it would be like, ha, 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 ha. You, well, you know what I mean? Like, I, well, no, I, I don't think Kat's off base by suggesting it because the, you know what that would do? Be interesting. Oh. <laughs> what would happen if Steve Trevor just uh, reappeared one day in 1984 as the same Steve Trevor from 1918 and gets recognized? They're like, oh, you look a lot like Steve Trevor. He's that war hero from World War One. And then he's like, uh, oh. no, my name is uh, Steve 
Traver. Traver. Well, I kept expecting the possessed dude's girlfriend to show up. Like after that, their first <laughs> night, and she just knocks on the door and is like, you didn't meet me yesterday. What's going on? I haven't been able to get a hold of you. And <laughs> who is this? Yeah, exactly. I expected that scene to play out, to show the ramifications of what she's done, like throw it in her face. She's ruined someone else's life to get what she has. I don't know. That's fair. You can't convince me it wasn't The moral wrong. implications are massive and severe. <laughs> I feel I they're there. Does, does I mean you know, do you disagree, Kat? I mean, do you think all's fair or what? I don't know. I, I think it was wrong. Like, yeah, you took over someone's body for your own personal gain, but you can't say something was wrong because a bunch of what ifs, right? And you're like, well, what if they died, or what if you know something had happened? Blah blah blah. Like nothing happened. He was fine. He doesn't remember anything. He's living his life as if nothing happened. I guess. Look, we argue the hypotheticals. We do argue hypotheticals. That's like half of our shtick. I know. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Sure. I just, it felt out of character. It felt like a huge missed opportunity. And you're right. It doesn't have to go the way I thought because anything besides what happened probably would have been more interesting. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. All right. No, I mean, mean, there, there could have been. Like, there could have been this huge moral implication that we just that's ne- it's never addressed nope not really like what if he's the villain in the next movie i know what you did to me and i've been trying to get at you all this time wonder woman 1995 what if it was hal jordan no oh, gosh. um do they even mention his name ever they never look in that dude's wallet to figure out who he is no you said he was yeah. credited as what again handsome man oh my gosh that's terrible I mean, if you're going to be credited as an unnamed character, handsome man, you could do worse. Um. <laughs> oh, that could be like the best pickup line, though. Like, oh, hey, I'm a handsome man. This movie says so. Yeah. Did you see me? I, I got yeah, the credentials. I was a Wonder Woman. Yeah. <laughs> I was a Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. Who'd you play? A handsome man. Handsome man. <laughs> wow. That's good. That's good. I don't have anything else. I, I think that uh, final thoughts. I don't understand how this movie got into the state that it is in. It missed out on nostalgia, even though it, it's got the year that it, it takes place in, uh, in 1984, in the title. And it was all over the, the advertising, the marketing. It missed, it missed so many marks. And honestly, at the end of the day, it's super forgettable. Nothing from that movie is going to have anything to do with the larger DC Extended Universe or really probably the next Wonder Woman movie. So watch it if you are if you want to. Grab some popcorn. Dedicate some time. Maybe watch it in spurts. I don't know. That's that's my final thoughts. Yeah. Ded- dedicate over a twelfth of your day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do not go pay- go see it in the theater. Borrow your buddy's HBO Max login information. Or just watch it with them. Socially distance with masks on. Yeah. Whatever you need to do. <laughs> I also don't have any real final thoughts. Um, I think I've said everything I need to say. I have some ideas on how to fix the DCEU, but we can get to those here in a minute. Kat, any final thoughts? For being a superhero that is supposed to encompass feminism and women are powerful and can do things on their own, this movie failed. It was really upsetting. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I do not think it is worth the price of subscription. No. I mean, it's hard to say because I get HBO Max for free with my AT&T cell phone line. <laughs> so, I guess. How much is your monthly bill? Well, I mean, it would I had to have that I have that plan regardless. It was just a little No, no. Extra. How how much how much is your monthly bill oh, from your phone? Uh, 106 after taxes and fees. Okay, you're paying you paid $106 to watch oh, this movie. Oh, totally not worth it. Absolutely not worth it. Uh, I'm upset. Please write your senators. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I I have an idea. 
I, on how to fix the DCEU. I have an idea as well. I'm, I'm eager to hear your idea. Okay. So this, is, so this is my idea. You ready? Stop making it a big Tide franchise. So I... I Spit it out. We're gonna, you got it. We're going to talk about Star Wars and we're talking about Marvel movies because they're the two most quote-unquote successful franchises of it. Star Wars has, what, 12 mainline movies now? Uh, what? Nine, like full-length feature films oh, that you can go see. 11. Right? Yeah. Is it 11? Okay. You know, uh, what, 25, 26 Marvel movies, right? Yeah. The problem was is both of those franchises at the beginning were helmed by people who had a clearly defined path. Mm-hmm. at the beginning now we can argue all day whether or not that george managed to lose his footing for some of the other ones but i'm not here to talk about that all i'm here to talk about is the fact that for the most part all those movies tie themselves together really well and that's amazing considering that there's sequels prequels and like current timeline movies that take place all in that franchise i think captain marvel is the perfect way to tell a movie that takes place in the past by actually telling its story correctly. Mm. Regardless of how people feel about the prequels, they managed to tie together the first three movies and anything that happened before the Clone Wars together pretty well. You get a lot of information. The problem is with the DCEU is that Zack Snyder is an idiot mm-hmm. and has tried to make every single movie the same way he's ever made them. Like, if you, I, I knew, I knew that the the Superman movie was going to be bad, and I knew that Dawn of Justice was going to be bad because I saw Watchmen. I saw it happen. Everyone was there, and you know what? I saw three hundred before that. I knew what was going to happen. What I feel like Warner Brothers and DC need to do is sit down, talk to the people who make their animated movies. And just do that. Just make a big anthology movie series where not every story has to be wrapped up in a tiny little bow. You want Robert Pattinson to be the Batman? Let him be the Batman. Do you want Ben Affleck to be the Batman? Let him be the Batman in a different movie. Right. What's the problem with having multiple actors playing the same character? There really isn't one as long as that story isn't told in one sequen- like sequential process. That's my rant. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. It's not the all fact you're going to say because you're, you're still talking. <laughs> the fact that I can watch a bunch of different animated Batman cartoons and movies and half of them aren't even related to the other one and they're still great, like all the Justice League movies, the Teen Titan movies, the Teen Titan television show, whatever DC's doing in their animation department blows away what Marvel manages to produce in their animation department. Yeah. And I don't understand why they just can't go next door and ask them why they're doing so well. See you in my rant. I'm going to agree and disagree. So Zack Snyder, I have no issues with him as a director and as a filmmaker. I liked Watchmen. I enjoyed 300 is the two biggest things people bring up. I enjoyed those movies. I'll watch them again. But he's not Kevin Feige. He's, he doesn't have, he's, he's, he makes a film, but having him direct or produce these movies within your larger effort makes sense. But you're right. It is, they, they shouldn't have given him everything. It's obviously not his forte, if you will. Do you think that if they had, from the beginning, tried to incorporate the CW Arrowverse into their larger <laughs> movies, it would be better or worse. Like, sure, Man of Steel happens. And then we see, they kind of like the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did, where they had they see the repercussions of the big Marvel movies. But if they had tried to bring those characters in, Flash, Arrow, yada, yada, yada. I don't think it would have made a big impact. Like, do you think it would, do you mm. think it would be better? No. I don't think it would be worse, though. I don't worse, necessarily though. know. Well, because right now we have a Flash television series. Um, I think it's still going. And then we're going to have a, we have a flash that's on the big screen and another flash movie coming up, but they're not related. And it feels, even though they did have one minor, minor, minor crossover, maybe that'll happen again. 
it just felt like like as much as we love to make fun of the Arrowverse and CW production, the show set up a big shared universe that for the most part people were happy with. So why did they try to do it again instead of just capitalizing on what they already had? It's got to be, it literally just has to like <laughs> make a Demolition Man joke here. The franchise wars. <laughs> It's got to be what it is. Like it's the oh, only man. way that it makes sense in my head where they had they had the blueprint. Yeah. There is a list of DC animated movies that I will watch again and again sure. and again because they're all great. And they've rebooted them at least once or twice, at least once that I'm aware of yeah. and those are also good. Well, that's the thing is even if they are like summarily tied with plot points and characters and voice actors or what have you, they're all different stories. Right. You know, Son of the Bat is a different movie than, you know, Mask of the Phantasm. Right. But you know what? They're both they're both great because they both were written and uh, directed and animated with care. But when you have these huge extended or animated or cinematic universes, whatever you want to call it. It's so big that if it it's going to fail, like that's just how it works. Like it eventually the bubble will burst, and you're going to make some bad movies. Yep. You know, luckily, <laughs> the worst part of Star Wars seems to be behind it. Right. Your Star Wars analogy, you kind of ended it a little early because I don't think it it helped your point, but it, I think it does. So the sequel trilogy, which by and far is considered just the weakest of the the trilogies. And I would agree with that. They had new showrunners, they had new ownership, yeah. and they didn't have a plan going from seven to eight to nine. They didn't have a no. plan. And we then we end up with Star Trek seven, eight, and nine, right? Regardless of how well they're shot and acted, there's there's major issues with those movies and continuity and just mm-hmm. zero payoff and blah blah blah. And that's what we're seeing here in the in, with the DC universe is that we're seeing the sequel trilogy in action. If that makes sense. Yeah, and that being said, those movies were still highly successful and they still managed to fund all these Disney Plus shows that we're going to get. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. Like... Well, the problem with things, the big studio is also like, did it make money? Cool, do it again. Regardless of the core, core fan base. I mean, that's how we get Star Trek Nemesis, right? Insurrection makes money, but people don't like it as much, but then they they just, they double down. I don't know. It doesn't matter. No, I get what you're saying. No, I mean... Critically, the Star Wars movies have not always done well. Sure. Financially, I believe they were all been pretty much knockouts. But that's what I mean. Like, there's such a base from those first three movies. Episodes four, five, and six are coveted and placed on this pedestal sure. for moviegoers. And, you know, Cat, have you seen any of the Star Wars movies? Like, any of them? I have seen all of them. Okay. Which is, what's, what's your favorite one? Ooh. Uh, that's a hard question. There's only one right answer. Well, <laughs> your opinion doesn't matter. Say solo. I do. No. No. Uh, no, I don't I don't really have a favorite one. I have ones that I don't like. If you were given the choice, you could only watch one Star Wars movie ever again, which would be the one that you would watch. Number 4. Okay. Have you seen all the DC movies? Uh, I've seen a large portion of them, but I don't think I've seen all of okay. them. Okay. <laughs> which one's your favorite? <laughs> Because there's not a whole lot of juice from. I like. Uh, okay, I'm a I'm a big Batman fan, and I have been for for a long while. I like I liked uh, Batman v Superman. The extend sure. the the extended cut. Well, it's the only one or I've the seen. Original so. Cut. Oh, nice. <laughs> Good yeah, choice. So that being like that being said, like out of those two, 
the fourth Star Wars movie is a much better movie. And the fourth, fifth, and sixth have all been better than the prequels and the sequels. So that's what I meant. Like, they started off on the right foot, whereas the DC Extended Universe did not. Superman Returns, not Superman Returns, Man of Steel. It's a pretty good movie. Not the best movie. I'd know? watch Smallville over it. I think that's what I think that was my point I was trying to get to is these other franchises that are massive and successful were successful because they did it right. The the very their initial offering they had a good base was highly successful. Yeah. Iron Man is not only a great superhero movie, but it's a great movie. Even if it did give away the goat in every other Marvel movie made afterwards. Right. It's just if the they same only thing made Iron Man and characters. never made any other movies, it would still be a great movie. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like the other franchises were successful because they started successfully. Whereas every step of the way, with the exception of Aquaman and I think Wonder Woman, all the other DC movies haven't been great. You didn't like Shazam? You know? <laughs> it's okay. I forgot I about that. It. Great. It's, it, you know, it's got, it's, it's about a kid, right? So it's hard. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, it's different. I liked Shazam. I liked the first Wonder Woman. I liked the extended cut of Batman v Superman or Dawn of Justice. Uh, Man of Steel's all right. The reason why Shazam works is because Anakin wasn't in him. Like, <laughs> oh like, and what I mean by that is no, not not to hate on Jake Lloyd because he's had enough trouble in his life. Anakin Skywalker from the prequels, the first movie, is a terrible character. Never should have been introduced as a child, ever. I think they set that kid up for failure. Whereas in Billy Batson, who is a child, he's a, a teenager. He's already more mature than a seven, eight-year-old. And you can tell a different story than, like, if Billy Batson was eight, I feel like Shazam would be an unwatchable movie. Oh, sure. But he's also a little aged yeah. because of his circumstances, that type of thing as well. Yeah. 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 So. It's like, I thought it was fun. And I liked it. Yeah, the, no, it's fun. You know. Not great. <laughs> uh, well, that's the whole thing is that, like, Yep. The I think the biggest difference because it's kind of we're gonna have to compare them between the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the DC Extended Universe is that a lot of the movies in the DC Extended Universe are meant to be standalone films. Wonder Woman and one and and uh, this movie Dub Dub eighty four don't have a lot of impact on Batman v Superman or Justice League besides just having that character right. If Shazam shows up later or the, all of them show up later in a future crossover movie they can just show up right they just exist i think that's how they've always kind of handled justice league it's just all these characters exist let's do it right so it's it's just it's being handled differently and it's i'm not going to say whether that's a better idea or a better way of doing it or worse way of doing it because it's just different but it's not being executed very well. It needs you still need some consistency. Like going back to the whole flying thing in this movie, you need some consistency for it to be at least a little believable. I know it's a superhero movie, and we're going to suspend disbelief about Amazonians living on some island that no one can get to except for on accident. I guess if you're you know Captain Kirk and yeah, <laughs> blah blah blah. But at the same, but at least make it internally consistent. Uh, all right, no, it's. Yeah, I'm but. sorry. I said I had nothing else, and you brought it out of me. You brought it out of me. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's, uh, that's why we work as a tandem. So Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> it's that time of the pod where we want to just go ahead and say thanks to everyone who managed to tune in and listen or download or stream, or however you're getting this. On your podcasting platform of choice, if you wouldn't mind giving us a rating, five stars, five stores, five stores, five stars, five stars, a heart, like, share, however you're able to... Uh, 
rate us, and share us with your friends and your enemies. We'd appreciate it. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Sci-Fi Wise Guys. Uh, we post updates for our feed anytime a new episode comes out. Uh, same thing on Twitter, B underscore Roll Podcast. And if you haven't managed to stop using analog watches, uh, Facebook.com, the B Roll Podcast group. You can join us there. You know, if you don't understand how technology works, feel free. And speaking of our Patreon, patron, Patron, Patreon. Speaking of our Patreon, yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, you can find us at patreoncom b underscore roll if you want to th- throw your hard-earned cash at us. We really appreciate it. Anything you give goes directly into all of the various fees associated with running a podcast so we can keep the quality up and make it better and better. And you have a chance of coming on to the pod. Apparently. Being a host of this. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, yeah, big thanks to Kat for joining us today and giving us some extra extra insights, extra opinions on this, uh, I guess, movie, whatever this is. Film. Film. Uh, we appreciate you being here. I appreciate you uh, reaching out and let me know. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Well, hey, 2020 is over. No, it's Done. not. Well, it is by the time this airs. 2020 is over. Done. By the time anyone besides us hears Exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> December 32nd. Yeah. Oh, no. It's still it's still possible, yeah. <laughs> you know, big thanks. 2020 was a great year uh, for the pod, not necessarily for everyone else, because um, if 2020 wouldn't have happened, uh, we wouldn't have made the pod. So thanks, I I suppose, guess. yeah. Thanks, Eternity. Hey, whatever. thanks, 2020, for giving me something to do while I'm working. <laughs> There you go. Or not working in sometimes in my case. We just want everyone out there to stay healthy, stay hydrated, and remember that you are loved by the hosts and community of this podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Uh, so for the intro music for this episode, I thought we would do the Wonder Woman theme. Are we able to? But like we can't like do the Hans Zimmer cut, so we'll have to make our own cover of the Wonder Woman theme. <laughs> I thought we would just record we that just... right now. <laughs> Is that it? Oh yeah, yeah. That's the guitar, <laughs> and then the drums. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> but feel free to do it. Let's see, there you go. There you go.